0: Beardsmore, McLaren in a good position in the middle. Back for Beardsmore. Yes. Russell Beardsmore scores the equaliser. Oh,
1: it's another one by. Welcome to another Manchester United podcast. I'm Helen Evans. And I'm David, mate. Oh, nice. I like that. I like A that. A bit
2: different. Sam's not here. Usual. <laughs> Sam's not
1: here today, leaving us on our own back at Old Trafford, which is lovely. Good to see you in the flesh. And you,
2: and you. Always good to see you, mate.
1: I am traumatized because what? I have never in my life tasted tea and coffee. So, for the listeners at home, <laughs> yes, that is true. I have never tasted tea or coffee how in can, my life.
2: How can an Irish girl not? have a cup of tea
1: it's all right never coffee maybe it. but the thing tea. is i grew up my whole life making tea for my dad like but surely you'd I have had can't... like a cup of tea no never
2: it's like the tea gate isn't it?
1: so basically maisie texted before we arrived does anybody want a coffee
2: it was it was i didn't text you well i did i text a group to yes. see if anybody wanted anything and then i was actually going to call you and straight out of the blue you called me oh. and i said this is strange because i just said that's unbelievable. I was just going to call you and say, do you want a hot chocolate? She went, flip sake. Yeah. Where are you going? Where are you going? So I had 12. cream and...
1: Which you didn't fulfil. No, because they didn't and marshmallows. have them.
2: Cream and marshmallows on a, on, a, on a hot chocolate.
1: Anyway, this is really, really, really boring story. But the moral of the story is Maisie brought the drinks in and I just thought he'd dished out the correct drinks, lifted my drink, and it was coffee. And that was the first time in my life I have tasted coffee. That And it was amazing. a mistake by That's David May. Amazing. And I'm devastated. I wanted to go.
2: 35 year old, never tasted well, coffee. I'm tea. not 35. You're not?
1: No. What, yeah. I'm
2: 33. All right. Well, look, 35. I
1: wanted to get to a certain point in my life. And it was a big day. Where did you I was want to get to? to I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> and I was going to try coffee, and it was going to be a big occasion. Well, you've done it now on the podcast. I know, but it was not enjoyable. This is going on in
2: front of millions and millions of people.
1: (laughs) This story's gone on far too long, hasn't it? Right, so we are in Old Trafford's Warwick suite and we are waiting for a good friend of yours, Maisie. And you've set this one up again today.
2: I have, yeah. Listen. There's a train go by again. Yeah. Um,
1: Producer Maisie.
2: Russell Batesmore. Great lad. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. One of Fergus' first fledglings. Say that again. Yes, one of Fergus' first fledglings. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's a great lad, he mm-hmm. is, great lad
1: Actually somebody who I've never met, which I don't know how that's, that's happened Yeah, But I'm looking forward to hearing his story
2: ah, He's a good lad, great mm-hmm. lad, I had some great nights out with Bado I'm sure you'll, you'll find out in the, uh...
1: Oh, I'm looking forward to these stories then Oh yeah Well he was earlier than us today, I don't know whether we should say that publicly Oh yeah, yeah <laughs> So shall we get him in?
2: Let's
0: get him in
1: Welcome to our podcast, Russell Beardsmore. How are you?
0: I'm very well, thank you. Yeah, good. good it's down.
1: lovely to see you. Hi, amazing. Lovely to be at Old Trafford too, isn't it? It's
2: good to be here, yeah. Back at the Theatre of Dreams, yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. How are things with you, Russell? How has the last few months been for you?
0: Um, bit anxious, bit difficult, but uh, managed to keep working. Uh, missing the games, the fans here. Missing doing the hospitality at the club, which I've done for about nearly eight years. So, yeah, but everyone's in that situation. So, uh, yeah, it's been tough and uh, I think it's going to be a bit a tough uh, winter.
1: I know that's the thing isn't it no, I'm not. we talk about the fans missing games but as you say you're a fan too even though you're working here doing the suites and the boxes and it must be a big loss not coming to the games every weekend for you
0: yeah I mean it's even seeing the ex-players that we work with there's 12 of the ex-lads who do, do the same job as me and not seeing them I mean, um, seen Maisie today the first time since so probably April, maybe. Yeah. Um, he's probably pleased about that, but um, but oh, no, I'm so delighted with uh, that. <laughs> but <yeah>. uh, <laughs> I miss that face. But no, just I mean that's yeah, it is. It's, it's it's everything about it, you know, and it's just not the same. I mean, I try to watch some of the games, but it's just. When you hear them, the players talking and shouting, it's like a practice game at yeah. back, being at the cliff yeah. uh, the old days. So, yeah, it is it is difficult time. Do you listen
2: with the sound off, the,
0: the background? I, I are, have the background sound on. Do you? Yeah, I don't like the other side of it where mm-hmm. you can hear everyone shouting no. or pass it, man, or whatever. I just have the sound bit on.
1: Unless there's been an incident and you like to turn the sound off so you can hear what's going on.
0: Bit of, yeah, bit
1: bit of scrapping. Um, so you are coaching at the minute, and has that been continuing throughout? It it did.
0: Uh, It was half term, just gone. Uh, But we we broke up the week before that because I work at the college. They decided there was too many uh, cases at the college, people self-isolating. So they decided to have another week off. So it's good and bad. But uh, yes, I've had two weeks off, basically. I'm back in today. So Mm -hmm. hopefully we can stay open. I know that's the thing. What's your daily routine there, Bero? Um, The students, sixteen to nineteen year old, for the foundation, um, doing the BTEC Sport level two and three. Uh, sorry, and one. Yeah. Uh, and in the morning they do the theory sessions, the classroom work, and we come in. There's four of us. We take a team each, and we coach them in the afternoons, virtually every day. We all play in a in a league on a Wednesdays, so we have a first team, second, thirds. We've got that many this year. We've got which, four. Which team are you in? I, no, the team I tech is a second. I've All run right. the second team. Right. Uh, and then we have a women's fourth? team as well, which is great. So um, we're on about having a fourth and a fifth because we've had uh, last year 85 enrolled and this year we've got 100, 120. So we've got to try and work them into a team as well. So uh, the good thing is that it's good numbers and it's good for us to keep, keep the work going there yeah. for, for the foreseeable future.
1: So you're working um, with the foundation yeah, in I've done, a college and tell us a little bit about the role that, the foundation plays in that?
0: Oh, obviously it's massive. The foundation, you, you'd need like four programmes to say about what the foundation does. I mean, I've been involved in the foundation 20 years, but four years back at Man United, the rest was at AFC Bournemouth, my old club. So it can vary. Uh, ours is th- this programme. There can be disability, street reds. Uh, a lot of them, we have a lot of them, the full-time guys working in schools, as hub officers based in a school and taking all the PE, I think we've got about 25 of those, and that's growing each year. And it's all the other stuff that people don't see really. The foundation, mm. they don't make a song and a dance about it, but the job they do, it's brilliant to put something back into mm. it. It's like all the stuff with the free school meals, all the stuff with the families, and they'll need a lot more help over the next six months. And the foundation is is at the, is at the forefront of all that work. Mm-hmm. They don't really make, like I said, they don't make a song and a dance. It's part of what you do, but uh, it's sort of the unseen side of the club, mm-hmm. but the, the work they do is brilliant.
1: Mm-hmm. It's really nice to be involved in that. Um, let's take you back. I don't know whether you've listened to our podcasts, have you? Um,
0: the right answer is yes. Yeah, okay. Yep. Wait, I'll just live <laughs> yeah. for <Good>. this one. <laughs>
1: We'll do a little bit of a life story with you. So, firstly, you are born and bred in Wigan, local lad yeah. to the club. Tell us about your childhood. Did it mainly involve football?
0: Well, it's a rugby town as, as such. So, I, I was a big fan of the Warriors. Well, they called the Warriors now. So, it's Wigan Rugby League. So, got involved with that. But I was just outside Wigan, so we didn't play that rugby. I don't think it was my kind of sport. But uh, I just got, <laughs> I just got involved in. Uh, obviously, like a lot of us did, we, there was no academies. When we grew up, when I grew up, especially, there was no academies then. So around about nine or 10, playing for the school like you do, carry on, get to high school. And then I got um, spotted playing for Wigan Schoolboys by mm. the uh, Harry McShane, who, um, the great Harry McShane. So I got spotted by him and them days, they could just approach you and just said, listen, we've watched you. It was at trials actually for Wigan, the Wigan Schoolboy team. Could you come to the cliff twice a week? Uh, after you finish schoolwork. And I was like, okay. And I was only 14. So the, the thing was, uh, parents had me well school because they had to do my homework. for me yeah. allowed to go and train at the cliff. And uh, I How did old that. How I'm um, 34, uh, uh, 52. <laughs> yeah, 52. So there was no, there was obviously no uh, academy. So from 14, it, it, I started to come the, for a year and a half. Mum and dad drive me to the, um, 19 miles probably, there and back, uh, with Eric Harrison, who to take the sessions, and, um, and then I did that, and then carried on playing, it was great, because you could still, you could still be your mate, so I'd, I'd play for Atherton Collieries, which is, and I went back there, to watch a game last week, the first time in 30 years, where, because one of the, one of the lads I work with, is assistant manager, so, you could still play with your mates, and it was probably when you when you get a pro, it comes serious, and you've mortgages and bills. Yeah. It's probably my happiest time as a footballer was like fourteen to sixteen, playing with your mates, uh, Sunday league because you could still do it. Mm-hmm. But then I got my apprenticeship at sixteen, uh, and that stopped. Obviously, I moved into digs and lived next to the training ground.
1: Do you think? And this is for you as well, Maisie. Obviously, the setups now of academies are absolutely incredible. But do you think there's something a little bit lost about the way you had your upbringing in football that it was just enjoyment until 14, 15 and then it got a little bit serious after that? But now kids are kind of put into football four or five days a week from so young. What's your opinion on that, especially working in in schools?
0: Uh, I I worked in academy, was at Bolton in 2000 and enjoyed the work. uh, And it was a good time to be there. It was was in the Premier League and stuff. But I, I think for me five, 6 seven, eight should still be playing and you want them to be enjoying it you've got to enjoy the football at that age it can get too serious i've been down some clubs and i've seen how intense it is mm. not the kids the parents how the are hovering around like flies around you know what round yeah. the coaches and that and trying to catch the fe- you know their eye line and it's a bit embarrassing i mean so the because the, the parents try to sort of, as we know, live their lives because they might not mm. have made it the dads as a player and they try to live their lives through their, their kids. If they're good enough or not, time will tell. But if I was perfectly honest, I wouldn't I wouldn't like to be, if it went back to those days, I wouldn't like to be in an academy. But this, that's just my personal mm. choice. No, I, I you agree. Know. Interesting, me,
2: I that. I totally agree. I think it, all the fun's... I mean, for me growing up, I just played with my mates in the street, in the park, in yards. Yeah. And that was it. All that's yeah. taken away from me yeah. now because... It's become quite elitist really yeah. because, you know, yeah. if you're six, seven, eight year old and yeah. you you contracted to Man United yeah. or to Everton, to Liverpool, to yeah. whoever it is, it becomes a I think there's just um I think people lose away.
0: Yeah.
2: And there's so much as you say, Bido. there's so much pressure on young kids now. And, you know, God bless the lad who committed suicide yeah. the other week. You know, because he's not made it as a or city city have released him. Yeah. How sad's that?
0: How sad is that? So it's hard. Sad. Pressure. Yeah. But I mean, even, even at, life, the, at the young horrible. age, I, I see people, kids who I know, whose um, dads who I know the sons play and one night they're at Man United, the next night they're at Everton, the next night they're at Liverpool.
2: Yeah.
0: Every night of the week they're at a different club and it's like, what? because I think you have to, if th- I'm right, I might be wrong, but I think they can only sign you, I think it's 12 when they can actually properly, mm. so you can just move around until 11 mm. or 12. Why do you tend um, to do that though? I, I do, don't, do, you, do you think
2: because the way I look at it and the way I possibly think I might be going off totally different tangent to where you think, but I think they're all looking for their own little deal of what can I get out of yeah. this at my twelve-year-old kid. Yeah, I, I, I tend to agree with you, and some of it as well. How
0: be, much is the club going to give me? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's all it, about the money at twelve-year-old, yeah. and it should be about who's looking after my son or daughter yeah. the best, who's who's going to give him the best football education, absolutely, and who's going to work with them. I mean. I'm not saying it's all about ex pros but if, if my son's 16 but he didn't really if, not really into football but this is just me personally I would like him to if it had been coached in an academy by an ex player I'm not saying all ex players make good coaches and no, managers no, no, no. but that's just my preference mm. um but yeah um I just think you you just see the the moving around and and also they try to play clubs off each other even at mm. 9 or 10 The Pernas will say, oh, well, my son, listen, Liverpool's offered him X amount of money in this long. uh, What's happening here at this club? And a lot of the clubs, they call the bluff. The clubs can be clever and say, okay, go and sign for Liverpool. It's probably not even true. So a lot of that goes on. Not always. not saying everybody's like that, but it does go on. It's, It's quite a... It's quite a ruthless and it's, it's not really sometimes the nicest uh, kind of business to be involved in.
1: It's interesting, isn't it? The, the innocence that you had, you know, as you say, you were just scouted playing for school and that's where it all started for you. What, what, who did you support when you were younger? I
0: was Wigan Athletic, really. I used to go and follow a moment away and it was in the old Springfield Park days we you just get two and a half thousand on and that. And it was, I was a schoolboy at the club, even though I was training with Man United. It was the first time I remember going down to, to have treatment at Wigan Athletic. And, and just as a young guy, 14 and walking in the treatment room and Larry, the great Larry Lloyd from Forest was a manager yeah. and he's about six foot five, walked in, just looked at me and walked out and I was like, wow, this is what it's about. And it, the club was falling down. It was, sounds mad, but that was my first taste of it. So I followed Wigan around with a friend home and away. And you know, it's something you remember really, really well. And obviously you always follow your clubs. Mm. Obviously United to me is, is my club really, but I always look, first thing I do, I was Wigan got on this weekend, mm. spent 19 years at Bournemouth. I was Bournemouth done. And then probably after that, that's it yeah. probably. But that's yeah. all you care about. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> so was Man United in the family or was it mainly just Wigan?
0: Uh, just just Wigan really. Um, I mean, uh, you start when you, when you start getting involved at the club, they start, they're great cause they start, they start to give you tickets and that to games. And stuff so you start getting a couple of tickets and yeah. think wow this is good and you will be out there and I think I think fourteen at the midfield I don't know Brian Robson was in the team and Whiteside and it was just wasn't even about when you made it as a when you got an apprenticeship and then when you got as a pro after wasn't even about money at all didn't even th- you didn't think about it it was watching those guys thinking oh, I want to be out there can I. Is there any chance I can get out there and play? And you just don't know, and you need some luck with it. Mm. And there's, you know, uh, but yeah, um, it was it was Wigan watching, and then I nearly signed for Wigan as an apprentice because United were like, they, they kept it, they won't tell you till the last minute if you're going to get an apprenticeship. And uh, I thought, I'm going to do Wigan's local, but obviously United's United. And thankfully, I, I they offered me a two years, and I uh, and it was a time of Ron Atkinson. He was there for six months of my first six months. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, got the sack then. So didn't get to really know him because I was only 16.
1: Do you remember the first time you came to the cliff and saw the players that you're talking about?
0: Yeah, um, we used to come in the evenings, but we used to start coming down then. You used to be invited at the holidays as part of it. And sometimes a player would come in, drive in, into the cliff. And I think the first person I saw was uh, John Gidman. Uh, real Scally from Liverpool. <laughs> Sorry, John, if you listen to this. And uh, he used to have the white Audi Quattro. <laughs> I used to uh, uh, spin it in, get out in his flip flops and shorts. I went, so that's what football's about. <laughs> oh. But yeah, he was always late, and I think he was the first person who he used to always park in um, in Ron's spot as well, just to wind him up and things like that. But he was the first one I saw. He came in because he was he was injured a lot, John. He won't mind me saying, hopefully. But uh, and he was coming in for treatment, and I think he was the first person I come across. Yeah. Who was your teammates then? Uh, probably Sharpie Lee yeah. um, Lee Martin as you know and, yeah. and Mark Robbins probably but more with Sharpie I hung around with you quite a bit who was Dig in Diggs Diggs, with. Uh, Diggs was a funny one I was with uh, two Scottish lads uh, who definitely did like a drink and I, and uh, it, they were a year above me though it was Paul Harvey and right. Drew McBride Paul Harvey would have got in the first team no doubt but just homesick every holidays his parents had to drive him back up and he went on and played for Motherwell. He did really well, playing in the cup finals and that. Right winger. Yeah. Drew just drifted. I don't know if he went playing after. But it was difficult time. When you're young and they're a year older than you, like, they were always out. <laughs> they was always out. And it was just, and they were tried to, you know, you, you, you tried to be one of the boys, but no. Nah. <laughs> but, and uh, yeah, it was, but it was just, I was overlooking. So, but the end house uh, was Graham Hogg lived in the end house, we might use. And they they were the hen house at the club, and we were in the middle of the row of U Oldham Drive, which overlooks the training ground. So, uh, you just had to roll out a bend and go. But yeah, I remember Mark Hughes being there, and they you know they were sound. So,
1: did you all like meet up with other household digs during uh, the week, or well, was not re- arrangement?
0: not really digs, but we had a. To there was a bit of a drinking culture as you probably guess in the eighties, but soon, not when I was an apprentice, really just kept yourself to yourself a little bit. Um, we used to go snooker and that, the snooker, all everyone did it as years yeah. went on and, um, that we used to spend the afternoons doing that. When it was the days where no one really trained in the afternoons, you'd go and play snooker or golf or something. But when you, when I got into the first team, uh, the Priory was across the road from the cliff. So it was like, you were made up to be taught, to be invited, be honest and you, you get grabbed, they grab you by the ear. You couldn't go off, say, oh, I'm going shopping or whatever. it, it, it On your day off, it, we'd all just, it was like a good team building thing. Yeah. And the, no no fans then, no one would take a picture. No one would want to grass you up. Be honest, there wasn't any of those phone cameras anyway. This is like 88, 89. So, uh, and most lads went home. Some didn't. <laughs> Some came in the next day in the clothes they went out with to training. But yeah, it was just, it was brilliant being part of it because everybody went out. If you was in that first team squad, you were coming, you weren't going shopping, you weren't going golf, snooker. You come in and it's like a, a team bonding. Mm-hmm. And they were good They were good days then.
1: Mm-hmm. So when you got your apprenticeship, do you remember that that moment?
0: Yeah, it was just, um, I was at a session. I came, they wanted to speak to me after. And then I, had a, I did a sign-in. It wasn't like you get now with a big, all right, it was just, at the cliff upstairs, Eric Harrison, wasn't even, wasn't even Ron then. Uh, I don't think Ron probably even knew I was after six months, <laughs> because uh, Ron was brilliant like, but he was very, he had his first team squad of 15, and that mm, was right. it. it. It didn't matter, it did, I don't think he even went reserve games, I might be wrong, but he just had that, and that was how it was then, he had his nucleus of 15, so it was apprenticeships, he just caught, oh, I son, and this, were when Sir Alex came in and that, he knew every single, Played maybe mm. there was sixty in this, at the club knew everybody so mm. it was just a different mentality at the time. Can you remember mm. the gaffer coming in? I, I do. Yeah, I remember this. I remember when Ron left. Definitely, we were mm-hmm. training first at the at the at the cliff. Uh, sorry, at Littleton Road, yeah. and we all got called back to the cliff. And you know the little gym downstairs. We all sat down there. Uh Robbo came down with Ron, and Ron just. Robert says, "Just listen, lads. Give us a few minutes of gaffer." We, we, we knew because we had bad results, and he said he, he's left. and I remember Robert being absolutely gutted. He, just the look on his face, because obviously they were real. He brought him to the club from mm-hmm. West Brom, and they were really close. and uh, And I remember the boss coming in, and um, it was like starting again. Everyone like a clean slate for everyone, but obviously the boss like had his plans and knew he'd already he'd already knew who, who which players he wanted, who we didn't, who was. Not getting up to mischief, he wasn't being mm. professional, and it took him a while. But then, you know, he changed things around.
1: What about your positioning growing up? Did you always stay in the same position? Because lots of times we talked about uh, usually so
0: <laughs> depends splinters a lot of the time. But um, <laughs> early on, I got into the team. Gordon Strachan got injured the week, and I came in for him. And there was an injury crisis here. Uh, growing up, I played on the wing virtually all mm-hmm. the time, and then when I first got in, there was there was four or five players injured, and I got made my debut here. Uh, I think it was on my birthday as well uh, against a young Paul Ince playing for West Ham against us, he was 16 and um, I came on, I think second half and then I... Um, what was that like? Oh, just mad, it was just weird because like you think... I've just Did got you know the...
2: you was going to be somewhere or anything or when, when did you find no, out? No, they kept
0: it, it was good because it, it, the boss kept it late on I only found out, sat, sat down in the changing room as late as that We'd done everything earlier, but he hadn't named the team because there was a few. There was a few fitness tests. about three having fitness right. tests, and it, it was like, you know, when you're playing, you didn't have time to think about it. Um, and then, and then I ended up playing more central midfield for the first, first next year and a half, which was, don't know. it was a bit lightweight. I was probably, I laugh because I said I was about, I was nine stone thirteen. I'm probably reverse now 13 <laughs> nine, but but no, but no, yeah, I was I was nine stone thirteen playing for Man United in midfield. And I think I was. Uh, as a I, pro? As a pro, which is mad to think. So you think nowadays it's different. You, you'd get a. Then you were just left to your own devices. Go yeah. on, go in the gym. You Well, you'll go home. Uh, now you've got individual programs. It's a different. I'm not. Listen, it's no one's fault. You, but that's how the era was. I was just very, very lightweight. Oh, oh God, I'll just in a minute. <laughs> <It's not fair. laughs> who I mean, did scary. go into the gym <laughs> if you didn't? Who? Who were the people that uh, went in the gym? Probably the, do you know what? Not many at the time, but then we started to bring it in later you, you, as as a group. And it, it all changed really, I think, when, when uh, Cantona came. Really? It was my last year, that in the 92-3 when they won the league. He could not believe that people weren't staying out weren't training after training practicing he just and they were doing golf and other things he couldn't he, he couldn't get his head around it really so he sort of he sort of changed the culture of the training side i wouldn't say the gym side of it because but hit the training side after staying on behind at the cliff
1: and what and doing your own thing
0: working doing finishing shooting uh crossing he'd stay out he'd stay out on a friday and you'd, you'd hear all the stories the lads would tell you Beckham, Neville, boys, he'd have them crossing Giggsy and he'd be like, he'd be the one obviously finishing. He'd get Gary Walsh, the yeah. reserve goal, he would stay out and the game would be the next day. And so Alex would be banging on that window, come in and like another 10 minutes and he'd be out another 45. But he brought that culture and a training, you know, try to be as good as you can. And then when he left, the other boys took that on, as yeah. you probably know, yeah, they yeah, stayed yeah. out and, and, and it just carried on from there. Do you
1: know what? No one's actually ever said that before. That's so interesting. Yeah,
0: it's it true. He stayed. I couldn't believe it. Was he staying out for on a Friday, yeah. but uh, you know. But and then, it, well, look how it—it it, it definitely paid off. Yeah, it paid yeah. off. Yeah, yeah. Just yeah. A bit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Tell us about your second game, New Year's Day. <sighs> New Year's Day here. Oh, it was against obviously Liverpool had won the league the year before, and it was really exciting because I knew I was playing. But I was really nervous because it was like. We were about, I think we were about fourth or fifth in the league. And When did you know you were playing then? I think the day before. I think so the day before. So you had great celebrations sleep. Yeah, like yeah, and it was like, everything's on hold and you know. Did you stay in a hotel that night, no? I don't you think you we home? did. I just think we stayed at home. Yeah. And we used to just meet in the, I don't know if it was when the you played in amazing. Yeah. it was a grill yeah. room. Yeah. And you can laugh about going back. The pre-match meal in the grill room was chips in a frying machine. Which is un- unheard of now. Steak with all the fat on, a, and a grilled tomato. <laughs> no <None> wonder <of laughs> we couldn't run around. But but that was that that was just that was everyone thought that was fine then. Yeah. But you look how it different is now. So that would be a two and a half hours before you make your own way here uh, to the Safe ground, park on the car park at the front, and then it would be that, and then obviously the game. And I remember being nervous. I, I remember thinking about the weird thing was playing against like John Barnes. who was like and Peter Beasley in that game. We were like top, top plays, thinking, what am I doing on here playing against? You know, like little things like that. But I always remember, there's one bit that I remember because the gaffer, when he used to do his team talk, I don't know if it changed later, Maisie, I I don't know, but he used to go, right, he wouldn't talk too much about the other team, but he might say, right, the right back, this is what two things, he's good at this, but he's poor at this, so get at him on the inside, Mm -hmm, say. And I remember him saying, like John Barnes, you know, he's not quick, but he jinks. He's strong. And he'll whip it. He'll go on the. He'll try come on the inside. Go on the outside and cross it with his left foot. He said, "So send him inside." So some of that sticks with you. So I remember it being nil nil the game. Send him inside. He's come inside and curled it right foot top corner. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the first thing I thought about. I thought. Cheers, gaffer. Like. But yeah, and then the next 20 minutes, obviously it was just a little whirlwind because I was involved in two goals and shinned the third one, apparently. It was off my laces. Everyone said, oh, you shin that. But it sort of, it got your name out there because Liverpool, probably still the same. It's still the biggest game. Yeah, mm. uh, you look at the crowd, it was just packed. You know, the, you couldn't even talk to anybody five yards away, instructions. It was just, and with Daglish being the manager and the mm. good side the yard, we didn't really kick on because unfortunately we had to play the next day. <laughs> we had to play. Uh, we had to drive up to Middlesbrough, play Middlesbrough away, and I couldn't even hardly move. I started in it. Well, as a young lad, you give everything you can. Yeah, could hardly move the next day. Uh, there was no masseuse. <laughs> it was like it was Jimmy Curran and and um, Jim McGregor. Right, okay, just have a little jog and a swim, and and I couldn't move. Play. I think I played sixty-five minutes. Uh, I think it was. Um, Tony Mowbray and Gary Pally, Pally Gary oh, yeah. Pally still with the centre-halves and we lost 1-0 so straight away from a big high playing the next day we lost 1-0 mm. so I mean that's football life
1: did you feel under pressure in that time and were how aware of you of the label of Fergie fledglings? Uh, we,
0: we knew about it and it was just, don't think any of us got carried away but we knew that that end of that season I think ended up playing all the way through that I'd done well, but I knew that the boss would be bringing players in. Mm. Like, you know, I, I knew Sir Alex was looking. And I remember where I was as well. I thought, i had done well. It's going to, kind of establish myself the next year? And I remember where I was. I was, I was in um, I was in France on holiday. And I got a paper, I thought, I'll get a paper. Open the paper and there's three players with their arm around each other. Three signings, all centre midfielders. Mick Phelan, Paul Ince, Danny Wallace. My heart sunk thinking wow, I've got to have to work. <laughs> Do you know straight, I didn't so know anything when, about what, it.
1: when was that? Uh, how long had you been in the team? I'd first been in team the team
0: from, from the Christmas all the way to, to yeah. the April and May. So about 25 games, is that yeah. roughly? Yeah. And done really, played most of them. But, I, you know, I'd never kidded myself. I knew that the boss wanted to look at it all and he was going to bring people in. And they're, they're all established players, the three, and they're all midfielders. Danny Moore of a winger. Mm. So I played mid, centre mid and right wing. And I knew then that it was going to be Next season is going to be. I I think Webby come the year after, or maybe halfway through. But they they were the three. I mean, imagine reading I mean, there was no talk about it. There was no thing, and there they were. It's like wow. What did you think then?
2: I went. This is not. Did you think that's me done? Not totally.
0: A little bit deflated because you think, where does he play or I play? There, what does he play or I play? And you're thinking. You you're thinking then am I am I going to get in before them? That because you have to be like selfish of, of course. course. You do, yeah, yeah. Uh, and uh, next season I was in and out a bit, but not as much. The first my, most of my games were played them twenty five were in that first bit really. We're mm. 88, eighty eight, eighty nine season, whatever it was.
2: You went to Blackburn, didn't
0: you? I went. I think well, I, I don't if you were there. I went I on loan for a month. Yeah, <laughs> and it, do you know what? It, it, and then Kendal was a manager, and I used to think oh, I don't want to go because I see this this guy, he looks really miserable on TV. This is Kenny Dalglish. And, but I'd always, him and Brian Robson were t- like two of my idols as growing up as a kid. And uh, I walked in the changing the first day and he was brilliant like, just jokes and good lads with uh, Bobby Mims and Mims, Colin Hendry. Yeah. Yeah. I, knew, I knew quite a few of them from the younger boys like Jason Wilcox through the youth system. And I came to replace Scott Sellers who'd been injured. And I think I played one game and Scott made a miraculous recovery. And I ended up going back, and I, I, I actually wanted to stay because I wasn't playing at United, and I thought this is a, this is a great opportunity. And so, um, sods law when I went back, I don't think you got beat, <laughs> but, but when I was there, it was like a bit up and down. And mm. I think it was in the what you call the championship now; it was the league below. And um, but it was it was only a month there, but I really there was good lads in that in the change rooms as well. Not saying they weren't at United, but I'd been out of the first team scene at United for by then by a year and a half. And I came and I thought, I'd love to sign here. And it just didn't happen. Scott was fit and I went back and and that was that.
1: Did you find that hard mentally being in the team for a long period and then Um, not so much?
0: I I was never kidding myself. I knew it was going to be hard to stay in because I knew that there was always, because at Man United, you've got to move forward always. You've got to, you know, I think we finished maybe fifth and it stopped, fifth or sixth and it just, it wasn't good enough really. So and do you
1: remember that not being good enough? You, oh yeah, you know, yeah.
0: For- at the end of the season where everybody was and we knew that ch- some players were getting in the mid thirties or late thirties so we knew that they might leave and things like that yeah. and we knew there was going to be a lot of changes and the boss wanted to stamp his, you know, his mark on it all then because if you forget. The boss went four years without winning his first trophy. Mm-hmm. He was under, we're playing games here. There was 28,000 on like Fergie out banners mm. and you're, and you're a young lad playing in that. And that, that was pulling, that was, that, that was hard. The game was simple, but glancing up and, see you normal. know, and I would, the pressure, yeah, you know,
1: that, that must've been yeah. for him. And you, yeah. Yeah. you could see it in his face crazy. In the when yeah. we used to have
0: the, you can see it in the boss's face when we had the, uh, the pre-match meal, the tension in his face. Mm. Obviously later on, when he won more, that, gets relaxed, but you could see how uptight he would be on match day and you, you wouldn't, sometimes you don't want to look at him because he was that agitated and uptight, you know? Yeah. Understandably though, understandably. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you always think that this guy is going to turn this around?
0: I, I, did, I did, as soon as we started to win the games in the FA Cup and he started to get a team together in the 1990, the, and then Lee, Lee Martin scored the winner in the final. Yeah. I knew once we got the one trophy, yeah. I knew that I knew he was looking at a couple of players for the next season. And he brought in good. I can't remember coming. I know Neil Webb coming. You're right. Mm-hmm. I remember, and and obviously Webb was an England international player. Good, good. And then he had a long injury as well. But yeah, you just knew once he got the momentum, you knew that he would bring in who he wanted, and he could be he'd be ruthless. He'd get rid of players. He didn't want doesn't matter that names didn't mean anything no. to him, really. That it was all about the team and the club.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You missed out on a, an FA Cup, yeah. I played in a lot sporting, of the games, yeah. I played in a lot of the games building up. Uh, and the game that everyone talks about, the one when, when Forest were a good side and mm-hmm. no one gives us a chance to win, I we had so many injuries and we ended up winning. Matt Robbins oh, scored the header, okay. and I, I ended up playing left wing against Do you. Think that
2: actually saved the gaffer's job. I mean, people say, say uh, it was a header that saved his his job. And yeah,
0: well, uh, someone asked me this last week. Funny enough, um, being on the coach after the game and playing a full, I played left wing playing in that game. The relief, one senior player come on the coach and said the words you've just said. I'm not going to say who that player no, was, no, no. but said that, that person had had a meeting, had spoke to the boss the, the night before the game and was Alva. That was him just leaving or. The club were letting him one or the other. We don't yeah, yeah. know. I don't know actually which yeah. one. So basically, it is true, because I was actually in that team and on that on that on, on that coach. Bus. A lot of people say, "Oh no, it wasn't." You it, it were things, but if you're on if you're playing the game, and that's what I heard. That's mm. you're only telling the truth of what you've heard. Really. Was it like missing out on the cup final? Guttie, because them days there's only two subs, and now it was like even. Even the Kitman's dog gets a medal and things, you know. So (laughs) it's like all the squads get the medal now. But you want to be playing in it, don't get me wrong, but played in a lot of the games, subbing the quarters. I think I was with Paul Ince against Newcastle. And then I thought I might have had a chance in the final. You just just didn't know. And then travelled in the squad of 16 or 15, sat in the stands. And the heartbreaking bit probably wasn't for me, but was, was sat trying to console Jim Layton when he got dropped. I sat with Jim for the whole game when he got dropped after the first right, the three-all yeah. for, for, bless his soul, Les Sealy. Yeah. I had to sit with Jim and it just, it was painful. Guy getting left out, it just ruined him really. Mm. And obviously winning, he was part of just getting there, but being left out in the replay must have but been... That, that,
2: that, that, that goes back a couple of minutes ago where you were saying Gaffer wasn't bothered, was he? No. He was just ruthless. He had to do what was best do, for the team. Jim yeah. had...
0: Before I'd made some errors in that game, but sort of the players, but he made the call and the call worked. Hmm. You can justify it, it worked. You know, they they won the FA Cup and things then, well, quickly went, went from not winning anything to winning nearly everything.
1: Did you ever look back on your days here when Sir Alex was having his years of success and think about that moment when how different things could have
0: been? I don't know. It's, it's hard to say that because... I know it's hindsight to one. I sometimes thing, think, it? I mean, we, we weren't the worst team, but was, there was a lot of transitions when I first getting yeah. as a young player. And I thought, oh, it'd been great to have played alongside Keane. And I know it sounds mad that I'm not saying there were bad players to play with, but everyone would say it'd been great to play with players who came later on how hmm. would I have played we played would I have been better with some of them or, you know are we playing with Scoles and Keane I mean I don't know it's hard to say but um, I mean how they went on and what how the team did and well you, you, Dave knows better than anyone yeah. uh, you know the uh, they were just such a brilliant team and everything everything about them and here playing here it was like a fortress team just one they want to, mm-hmm. you know, they were one nil down before they came here. Some of the teams because mm. there was United was just ruthless.
1: How aware were you of the class of ninety two coming through? Uh,
0: quite aware because obviously when I was in the first team, they were all apprentices. Mm-hmm. So we used to like we used to make them do all the horrible jobs. You know what I mean? Like you, you did those days. So, but we knew how good they were because what horrible jobs? Um, on a Friday, some of the players used to it's horrible, but shave in the shower. And all the airs would be stuck in the plugs in the shower bit. And and they, they didn't even have gloves. This is how it was. There was no health and safety. And you were routed to do two players each to do showers, this, toilets, this. And they were picking lumps of urn and they had to put them in the bin. And and they couldn't complain because Eric Harrison, until it was all done, if, if one pair of boots weren't done on a Friday, one pair not clean, everybody would have to stay another hour. So, and, and, and it was part of like, it was a little bit like the army sort of, in a, in a in a in a scale down way, but you sort of it, it, it sort of made you appreciate grounded you, yeah. you meet you appreciate what you had and going back to the players, we used to watch them on the cliff, and they'd be playing like say they play marine and Liverpool United obviously it was tough. They'd be playing grown men with big beards and they'd come out the pitches were rock hard. At the at the cliff was always nice, but they'd come out the guys with big studs and they they'd just pass the button. They just win like seven or eight nil and you you know you're just going wow. And we just watched we'd always watch the first half. And then we'd, then we'd come over here to play the first team game. So we'd always get a, a half a game because I think they were 11 o'clock kickoffs. Yeah. yeah but it's really nice them, that, wow. isn't
1: it? Yeah, yeah. just watch, you watch. We were yeah. lucky
0: to watch them come through. And, and, and the best one at the time out of all of them and, it, and it was probably Nicky Butt because when he got in the first team United, he played a bit of a different role. He, he didn't score many, but in that youth team, he, he'd score five, he'd win seven. He'd score like header, left foot, right foot, 25 yards, tap in. And everyone thought when he got, he, he was brilliant, don't get me wrong, he was a very good player. But when he came in the first team, it was different for him. Mm. He played quite a lot, but he, he ended up being a bit of an understudy later on, didn't he? So, um, But yeah, he was at that at that time, in the, my first, that first year of their apprenticeship, he was just, um, he was the one they were all raving about. Then obviously other lads catch up, in mm. Nev, Bex was, dead skin and frail and used to get knocked about then he he grew and all of a sudden he became the player he was as well
1: mm-hmm. what was the atmosphere like in the changing room for you and your teammates considering it was quite a difficult time and you weren't winning a lot did you still have a a great rapport with everyone
0: yeah I mean I think you have to I mean it was your release you know training was good I mean I had various coaches at the club, but I had um, I had Brian Kidd at one time. I used to like Archie Knox, get on with him. And training was always good. I, I, I always enjoyed that side of it. Would you train with Nobby? Uh, he came and helped Terry Harrison out my, for my first year. Yeah. And like we're saying about, you know, the situation of, of, of him passing away, which is very sad. He wouldn't say a lot, but he would come up with a few little comments. And he'd, he'd watched most of the A-team games. He'd come home and away. And he was sort of, um, not a backup for Eric, but they'd worked work very well mm-hmm. together. And so the respect you had when you saw him there come in the change changing mm-hmm. rooms, like, wow, you know? And then the, 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 not the, say the bad thing was if you weren't winning at the cliff, so Alex would be watching in the window. And if you, he'd come down and you, and you might not be able to see, you think, oh, the boss is not here today. We'll be all right. And he'd come down in a padded jacket. Behind a had, tray or and something. And when actually <laughs> would stand there, Eric could have a goal. And he would, and oh, the the boss would properly, yeah. Gaffer's on him. Oh yeah, yeah, he yeah he would he wouldn't he wouldn't be banging. Eric would be banging on the window, and uh, as soon as the halftime whistle went, he, Eric just ran down them steps. You could hear his feet little pitter patters, <laughs> and his feet would hardly touch the ground. And he would hammer, pe- like you'd had to, t- he'd hammer people. But I think I would I would say I don't think I would have made made it into the first team as a player without Eric Harrison hmm. pushing me. You know, realistically, that and that and that's the truth. Mm-hmm.
1: Was there anybody in your time that didn't get an apprenticeship that you thought was going to make y- yeah, it? Yeah, or... there,
0: there was a guy from. There was a guy called I don't even know. There's a guy from me, like called Ian Scott from, the, from Yorkshire lad, and he was playing in the reserves. This is how football is. We we're all in the youth team. And he'd been moved up. It was my year. Come to the. Uh, we all sat in the change rooms and it was one at a time, went up to the office. It's mad, and then it you could see if they come down and their head was like on the floor, they'd been released. It was a horrible oh. thing, right? Who's up? And then they'd come down and say, Right, you're next. you're next. And you're like, wow. And you're like, and this and he got released, and we were all, and he went up early. He went to, and, it, and we're thinking, well, if he's got released, hang on a minute. And he's a good player. He's been playing in the reserves. We've all been in the A team. And yeah, and I remember him that standing out. He was the first one to go up. But then I, I saw Robbie Savage when it, Robbie left, David Platt went. Yeah. But fair play to those guys, I, I admire them f- for different reasons. But if you leave United, it's easy to go downhill because it's mm. such. A, where do you go after that? And they both went off. They, they picked themselves up, dusted themselves down. Both went to crew different stages and worked their way by up, mm. way back up. The do, rest do, history, it's hard
2: to do that. Do you think yeah. because of? The upbringing with Eric, that stealing you know, instilled in you, would have put them to in good, good instead, sort of thing.
0: Yeah, but I think they were very strong mentally. Yeah. Because I've seen players who they've drifted, I've played with, where have they gone? They've, not, they've just dropped out. But I remember Robbie being released. I remember David Platt was a year above me going, and you're thinking, you know, and they must have thought, where do we go from here? Mm. Listen, they dropped two leagues down, whatever, worked their way up, and how well both of them have done, you yeah. know? it takes a lot of mental strength and, mm. and, and also rolling your sleeves up and say, you know what, I'll sh- I'll show you, I'll sort of, I'll show you kind of attitude. Mm. Not everybody has that, I suppose.
1: No, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah. Cause sometimes your pride doesn't let you. Um, you didn't obviously play in that FA Cup, but you did go on to play in the Charity Shield and you got the medal from that, which was the
0: year that was shared. Yes, the one-all game. I think yeah. Clayton Blackmore scored an header. The, the it? Yeah, he's got a. I think he's got a diving header. So uh, yeah, was that a pride moment for you to get some silver? It, it, of it your was, own? and I, I, I
2: was got. It, was that your first appearance at Wembley then? Would it have been
0: or? Yeah, it, it was. I'm, I'm, I was lucky enough to play. I mean, I don't even know. Was I, got, I don't against, think I got I on. Against, Do you know what? It was Liverpool. Liverpool. I don't even actually ever even got on for The game I was subbing the game, so I don't even think I even got on for that because you're desperate to get on. It was my first time at Wembley, and the funny enough, it was years later for Bournemouth in the autoglass final that I managed to get to play at Wembley properly. That was your first time, yeah. So, you, I didn't even get on, so I was up and down, going, you know, I think I need to, I, yeah, I suppose yeah, everybody yeah. would be the same, and it was one all, and it was one of them. And then I was lucky enough to win this weird medal, a super cup medal, it was mm. bizarrely. Mm. It's like, so if I look back, I think, well, I'm, I'm one of only. 15 people who's ever got that for Man United. So, I mean, I know there's a lot of got FA Cups and on, big, bigger hey, ones, but it's, ni- it's nice to have, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody yeah. will I, ever I take little, it away from yeah, you. Yeah, I was just a little bit unlucky, probably in the FA Cup, and also the Cup Winners' Cup, travel in the squad there, two subs, squad of 15. Uh, my middle name should have been unlucky, Russell Unlucky Beardsmore, but, uh, <laughs> but you look back, you think, you know, you were close to having another couple of medals added in there, mm-hmm. but... Personally, I'd, if you're playing them, I think it's more important. If you don't, you're part of it. You played in the, you should have a medal if you played in the rounds, get, getting you there definitely. Yeah. But, but yeah. Do
2: you know your um? Do you know your charity shield medal? You still got that? Right?
0: Yeah, yeah. What does it say in it? Uh, it just I think it just says the score because it was a, right. It just says okay. it have the score on it. Uh, not necessarily. It just said the team Liverpool date. Uh, Liverpool, Man United. It don't even say joint winners. Does it not say think. winners are runners up now? I don't. I can't. Good question. I don't know. So Mum and I don't really look at that? it? Who um, was it? Task? Was it Arthur? Yeah,
2: it was Arthur. It
0: was yeah. Arthur yeah. yeah.
2: Because on mine it says winners. Yeah. Does it? I can't. Winners remember. and then runners yeah. up. Had three. Yeah. yeah.
0: Mine says. I think it said Liverpool. The date. Blah blah. And at the top said unlucky for not getting another medal at the club. <laughs> but no. Um, I can't remember, actually. It's a funny one. I'll have to, you know, I'll I'm going to have to phone up later yeah, to mum. We'll find out. See, cause she, it's like the parents, like they keep, you know, they, uh, things are at home and yeah. where I've got everything. They're, I've never, probably never sell them on because they just keep them and, that's fine, you know. Did your
1: parents come to games?
0: Yeah, they were they were very anxious and nervous, like, getting here. And my dad didn't drive. It's mad because you think he never drove and he still never has done. And not not? No, never never drove. So he, even for when I was young and playing, he just jumped in to get lifts and get the balls and it followed it. And you've you got a lot to thank them for because they come every, you know, whatever weather they come. I suppose most parents do. <laughs> yeah, they. they come every game from being nine. I don't think my dad missed a game from being nine. Even when I played here, you know, tr- if it was a way he upline a crook, he'd find a way to get there. Yeah.
1: What about the time? Because you'd said, you know, even after your six months in the first team, you thought, oh, you're a little bit worried. New players are coming in. When did the time come, though, that you thought, right, this is it? Was it after the Blackburn stint and you'd been uh, out on
0: loan? It was probably when I played a reserve game and this guy come in the changing rooms and he said, introduce all. and introduce us to Wallen. And I thought, who's this guy? Yeah, I thought, another another right winger, I said, Oh I went, And I thought, oh, it's all right, because I'm, I was still just on the edge of the first team just in a little bit. And I thought, i still got a chance. And the thing is, when you're at United, you don't want to leave because you're always think in the back of your head. The, uh, it got that bad for me. They'd have to be in the, like the bubonic plague to get back in the team. <laughs> but I was getting further and further away from it. But you always think, what, well, there's a slight chance, chance of getting in? Yeah. And then can, I, I played a reserve game with him here. And it was like, wow, this guy—he was just electric. And actually, I'm not saying he took my place, but he obviously pushed me further, boom, further down. But really got on with him well at the club as a, a really. How would you really, get on well
2: with Andre? I didn't speak a word of English. Like,
0: Never do I, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm from Wigan. So, um, <laughs> but he was funny because he used to. Um, the greatest thing was he had an interpreter with him. Yeah. But he used the to kid, yeah, yeah, yeah. He used to kid on to the gaffer, and gaffer sometimes would scream at him. And he used to be telling, he used to putting his hands up going like, can't hear With the interpreter? <laughs> no, oh, andre <laughs> would be going, don't understand. And he knew every word and he kidded the gaffer for about two years. But I just liked him as a, he was just cheeky chap time. and a, a good, really good footballer. You know, one of the, one of the best, probably apart from Beck's one of the best cross of a ball, probably whipping balls in. You know, it was just he must have been a dream as having a center to be a center forward playing with him. But a, a nice, guy, I saw him last year, yeah. and he didn't. He's I thought I'd put a bit on, but he didn't even look like him. He walked in hotel football. No one recognized him. He looked like he looked like um, a version of Harvey Keitel. Is it Harvey Keitel? <laughs> his ear was dead long, and he was big, and his face had changed. No one recognized. He walked past everybody. And I had half an hour with him, talking to him. It was just nice to see him. He was doing really? something at the game. So,
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah.
2: So us about you moved to Bournemouth then. How'd that uh, come
0: about? What was it like leaving United? Horrible before, before gutted. The, the boss, I'd been injured a year, but I was out the squad. I'd, I had a full year virtually out and the boss offered me, just out of kindness, a little bit. He said, "Could you've been out a year, I'll off, he offered me another year. But it was, How old was you then? I'd have been t- 24, 23, 24. Mm. And it was like, I probably should have moved it 18 months before. Uh, Jim Ryan, who we know, who we know yeah, from the yeah. club, Jim said, I remember Jim saying to me, he was our reserve manager, said, later on this, he said, you probably stayed a year and a half too long, but it's like we said, it's man, United. you not, you always don't, you don't want to leave. Um, and he said, all of a sudden I, I was at home and I was injured and I thought, do you know what? I'm out of contract here. So I, I didn't sign. And then all of a sudden no one rings you and I'm thinking, oh, hang on a minute. I'm injured here. This is me out of a out of football. Yeah. It was that serious. So I remember Mick McCarthy phoned me. I think it was Birmingham manager. It was like, mum's phone, hello. You know, you don't know what to do. You know, but they wanted me to, because I'd been out for so long, they wanted me to come down and train. Couldn't train. Um, and then, um, Tony train because of what? Uh, McGroin. I was still injured, see. So even though they offered me a contract, my contract had finished at the club. I turned it a uh, one year yeah. down and thought oh, I'll be okay. And thought, and I wasn't right at all. And, um, and then all of a sudden, I had an agent who sort of said, listen, well, don't worry. I said, don't worry. But then all of a sudden, it course, yeah. summer comes, you're thinking, what are going to do? And then Tony Pulis was the Bournemouth manager, for ph- me up and said, you know, c- d- come and meet you at Manchester, the Hilton. I think everybody went and met there. And then in those days, I think 92, 93 season, it would have been, uh, end of that season when United had just won the league mm. for the first time in 27 years. And he, he said, come and meet me. He said, don't worry if you... I've had all the reports. You'll be fit. If you have to miss two or three months, you know, we'll look if you sign you. And we're going to sign Tommy Mooney, my friend, Joe Parkinson, Everton, right. yeah, which yeah. I knew Joe, both from Wigan. And I thought, I've oh got to sign in some good players here. Tommy didn't sign. Joe did. Tommy Mooney's signed up for, not Yeah, he was. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, he went, yeah. I think he went to what? It's good. Loads of goals lower down. Yeah. And um, he started to put a good side together. Vince Bartram was a keeper mm-hmm. at Arsenal. Um, I thought, this is a good team, this. You know, I thought... I'll have part of it and there wasn't many others coming in but the deal was really good went down didn't want to move that far I mean I've never been over the yeah. cattle grid only for, you know from Ashley Makerfield and I'm thinking that's a long way on your own and um, by November we were third and it was like this is great we're all great blah blah blah, blah. club was skint we had to sell the, our best three players Joe Parkinson Everton Paul Wood centre forward so the spine of the team went we finished 17th and um, Tony Pulis got the sack my first year, but I didn't. I, I would not like, as you probably know, the way he plays. After three months, I wanted to come back. Mm. The ball was like that. I was on yeah, the wing, yeah. Division One. It was that, and we were. I hardly getting a touch, and I am going back. And I went and see him, and uh, he fell out with the press. It was a long story, and then we didn't do well, sold players, and then uh, he went, and then uh, the Gaffer's good friend Mel Machin, come in, and he was brilliant. I was mm. captain under in, got players in who could play a bit, and I enjoyed it. Then I started enjoying it again.
1: Mm. What was your conversation with Sir Alex before you did leave here?
0: Uh just said, shut the door no way out. No, oh. he just he was um he just said, like, you've been great for so us. He would give me a hug and I said, You've been a great lad here. He said, You've caused me a few a bit of bother at times. And joking-wise, he went, you know, I'm gutted for. He said, but something you knew before you went in and it he, he, he did it. You know, the, the year he offered me was just a I would to play, but he was just... Because no. I'd been injured, it was like... He
2: was looking after
0: yeah, you. Yeah, looking after you. So I always remember that and always thankful that he was the one who gave me my chance to get to play in the first team. So, mm-hmm. uh, and I know he often asked about me because Mel Machen and him were very close. So I remember a, a little story. I walked in one day and and the boss is on the phone to Sir Alex. This is Mel Machin, my boss at the time. And he went, come in. And my, I was struggling my back really badly. I'd been out nine months, another injury. And uh, he went... Um, and he could him saying, how are you doing? He said, it's Sir Alex asking you. And I said, just tell him. I said, my back's gone. And he said, but so I've been carrying 11 players on it for like a year <laughs> and a half. And obviously <laughs> the boss probably found that quite funny. But he asked about me regular at my time at Bournemouth, which was great. And then when I had my testimonial uh, against Southampton, when I finished at 28, he sent uh, gigs. and Nicky Buck came down, even though flew them down to play. It was brilliant because the first team had already... I had a game the day before, and he sent the two down to play, which yeah. helped me massively. Mm. So, yeah, That's so
1: special. So ninety three, you went to Bournemouth, yeah, and you were twenty four. Did you yeah, say?
0: Yeah, roughly, yeah. Yeah. Did yeah. you
1: enjoy your time overall, even though it was? Yeah, you know, I mean injuries and. Yeah, it was. It,
0: under ninety eight appearances. Yeah, I say yeah, nearly two hundred games. So yeah. I was very. I had a spell where football's weird because like I started off not getting in the team, and then wanting to leave, and then I had a run of. 50 games, 51, 49, 50 in four years. Like without, in that league, as uh, I think it was a bit heavier than nine, sto- nine stone 13 by then. But, uh, <laughs> but then-
2: You had your teeth done by then.
0: I, that was right. They, they, they weighed about three stones. So, um, but no, I just sort of like enjoyed it. I was playing centre midfield and it was just like, I played with Matty Holland who does yeah, yeah. for four yeah. years and some good, really good lads, good changing room and everyone got on and uh, Max Steen came. Little Steen up front yeah. scored loads, and we have had some good players there. I mean, Rio came, Rio came at sixteen, and it was just ridiculously good. That was his de- his debut. wasn't for West Ham. I already loaned him out to Bournemouth, and I played I played fullback. By then, he was he was set to R, and I bumped into Rio in oh, Feb. So so you
2: actually who made Rio. The I, I, I bumped into here,
0: and you know what? The nice thing was I hadn't seen him in such a long time, and it was one of the league games in Feb when he was sitting on the sofa for the. A game and I, he come over. He went, come over. I didn't want to. I'm not like that. He, come over and he messaged me next morning. and He said, you know what? Great times he had. I was only there three months, and that was years That's ago. Brilliant. So for him to send that back, I didn't expect that. Phone went on a Sunday morning. Yeah, it's real. So, but yeah, we've had uh, John O'Shea. John played there. Uh, Michael Dewberry. Different times. It's, what a team that would have been. We kept them together. But mm-hmm. no, uh, I had a good time. I had a good time. The nice, nice part of the world to live. Uh, and then obviously made a decision to come back. What was it like hanging your boots up, 28? Uh, oh, I was devastated. It didn't sink in for a while. I remember the day, when 7th of December. It was a day of our fancy dress for the first team. You'd, a, you'd have won it. <laughs> I won it in my normal gear. <laughs> <laughs> but um, Still would win it now, actually. Um, but no, um, I remember... 28, when, well, that's like... Yeah, cause I, so that's young, probably your it? Your, your, the time when you yeah. just come into your peak. And I've been playing loads of games, like yeah. you said. I'd hardly missed a game. I missed one in about four years. How did years. you come about then? What was it? It was word and turn of... Uh, my uh, discs and then I had so I had um, the disc they had to shave the disc yeah. it was touching that sciatic nerve so yeah. I'd start playing games and I'd play about 70 minutes and the hamstring would just go into a, into a knot like you know like the worst cramp and you, you had to come off yeah. so I kept having. I could only and it kept, then it got worse and then it just that was it and then we played the cup final in the autoglass and I was a bit selfish really I wasn't fit and I said I was and I, I played in it and struggled Is in that because of Wembley? No. Yeah, uh, probably because I wanted to play at Wembley, a little yeah. bit selfish. But I was captain of the club, and you're thinking, and and well, th- well not by then. Eddie Howe was captain by then, right. the ex-Bournemouth boss. And um, and then they had, had another operation. They said, "Oh, you'll be back playing in three to four months." And when he had the op, it's no one's fault. It didn't go. It didn't go as well as he thought. And then that was it. He said, 7th of December." Went that dreaded word. You sat there, surgeons So you went that you want. Won't play professional again, and you didn't. See, I went. I went home. Got changed to my normal gear for the fancy dress. <laughs> I went mean, I just went straight out, and then, uh, and then went to the do at the night. All the lads knew they were all like gutted for and you. How long you have left on your contract then? I think I had two. I had a long time. Right. I had two in a bit years, but the club was so strapped for money. The PFA were coming down all the time. They wanted to say we'll give you six months, and what? No, and yeah. I, it got really messy. It got really messy. What well, through your mind then, Birdo? Uh, obviously, obviously 28, you're earning good dough and yeah, then security of it. You sit there at home and when I was I was I was in a I was sat there for months and months with my back before I had the second operation I could hardly do anything. Yeah. So so my contract had finished. I was getting bits of money still coming in. Mm. And the phone, you think, oh, it's all right, because loads of people are ring you. Some of the teammates did. Sean O'Driscoll, who was number two with Brendan Rodger and, yeah. and Doncaster manager. I always remember him. He came about three times to see me. Oh, you never forget that. He kept coming, you know, any help you need, blah, blah. blah. And it was bad enough finishing, but finishing when I couldn't move anywhere forward and the back would spasm. And I'd I'd be walking on the street and I'm like, oh, i just see... I'd do that and I'd have to, I'd hit the floor, people were going, what's wrong with this guy? Because it would just go into spasm around, you, yeah. around your spine and that. And I'd, I'd, I'd be having injections to loosen the muscle and that was before I'd had the other op to, what do you say, even have a normal life to work again because I didn't, I thought I'd not work again because what am I going to do? You know, and then yeah. I had the second op and he said, there's a lot of risk with it. It was a nine hour operation. Wow. So I've got, um, if you see my back, I've got scans at home. It's like, it's equivalent if you had a, a crash in a Formula One car at maybe 180 mile an hour. So I've got two two metal pins, hmm. four metal screws, a synthetic disc in my back. That's been in the titanium, all that's in do you know there. What,
2: do you know if that, had a bit, so that was in 98, uh, 97, na- 98. Yeah,
0: I had the op probably 99, 2000, 99. yeah. If they had that now... Might be totally different, would it? Yeah, I think you'd have keyhole, and because of the advances of it all, not say you'd play again, but it would be a totally different. I mean, I've got a scar this long, but the weird thing is, they had to come from the side of my back to get to the the middle of my back. So instead of going in like that, they've gone in on the side, which is a lot more serious procedure. And the thing was like, they said, Oh, well, there's a lot of dangers with it. Like, like you could have a choice there. Probably not because I couldn't think of any other choice she could have, and and so if you'd not had the op, where would you be? Don't know because I I, I would have got rid of it. You'd been probably having injections for for years and years trying to release the muscle or, but yeah. then the, yeah the dangers of it. I mean, and I, I didn't even have when I had the second op. I didn't even have the the testimonial by them or anything. So the money that was drying up and the PFA get a lot of stick, but I could never thank them enough enough. They sent me a check. A big check for the whole operation to be done in London right. in one amount, which sort of saved me because I didn't have. I think I, top of my head it was over fifteen grand the op, and that was going back a long time. That's yeah. it was like and what 40 you were
1: gr- going to have to pay for that? Yeah, yourself I don't know how yet because yeah, I
0: didn't have anything else at the time. There was no, I didn't have well, to pay for it. I was out of contract, so I'd, I'd uh-huh. finished six months before. So they go, see you later, yeah. a little bit. Yeah, even though so they basically me a you retired and
1: not knowing what you're going to no, do. No. With and this- then in, in
0: a chair going and I sort of sunk into like a bit of a, a lull. I had a, my daughter was only small, couldn't even pick her up. She was like six months, because if you did that, you'd be out of okay, agony. Girl. So you're having, you're having loads of, you know, painkillers and things like that. And they, you got a bit, not addicted to them, but it, it, you couldn't sleep because you couldn't move. And it was like, it's quite a, um, a really, when you look back, you think, wow, it makes you,
1: hmm. you know,
0: your neck tingle thinking, God, did you really go through that? Cause, I know there's a lot worse things happen, you know, yes. but uh, when you're in it yourself, it's quite scary when you think back. Mm-hmm. That
1: must have been a really, really, really tough time for you. Having a small child, not being able to move and you knowing your football career is effectively it's over. It's everything
0: all together in a full circle. You just, wow. you know, you think, and then like, what am I going to do? Then the mm. second up, like, recovery was brilliant after, and then it was a major up, but you started to gradually get there. And then you think, you know, Got to think now what I'm gonna do afterwards because the football's gone. Was there no was there no thought of getting back into it? I don't think you could. I mean I, I didn't oh, was, you, was you told that you couldn't? I was told that you you were not at the right. elite level. I did want to try and I did go back down and try and train with a semi-pro club and I did a pre-season and the pitches were so bad that I thought, well, if they're gonna give me what £150 a week here, mm. if I if my back goals anything she is I'm done is it worth it for, I'm not being funny And I, no. I, I did about a week with it and I thought you know what I've been out the game two or three years and they were all young guys and I was way off the pit. and I thought you know what that's it's right. not it, it's not worth your back going again mm-hmm. because you're playing on training grounds and not being funny there's like rabbit holes everywhere you couldn't see them if your foot goes in one of them that's it you're done so yeah and I just and then I went down the, sort of went down the coaching route after how,
2: that. How did that come about with
0: Bournemouth? Uh, strange one. I, was, I, I did a, I fell out with a club at the time. I was just distraught of leaving, but because of everything going on at the mm. time. And I, my instincts was going my shell and move back north. But my, my wife at the time was very reluctant. She's from a little village in in Bournemouth, near Bournemouth. And she didn't really want to do it. Then she said, okay, we'll go. And then I saw a job at Bolton Wanderers. And it was it was a good time to go there. It's when Sam Allardyce was there, and they were they finished seventh in the league. And I went there as a, to work in the community as my day job, my evening job. I did the academy under twelves, and I loved it. Loved it that Bolton were brilliant. The people there were brilliant. But my wife just got unhappier and unhappier. Yeah. You come to a big area like that from a little village of a thousand people, didn't settle, and she she basically had a bit of a breakdown, proper one, and wanted to go back. And I obviously could, obviously thought, listen, we'll go. So I did a full two and a half years, even though I was enjoying myself. She mm. was having a really tough time. Uh, we went back, we went back to, to live in Bournemouth and then oh, I got a job at Bournemouth. I, I, I took the all the things I'd learned from the community at Bolton, all the ideas to raise money. I forged my own job. I went to Bournemouth's community officer and said, blah, blah, blah. I could bring in X amount of money for so long because this is what they do he give me six months and then after six months, I brought in nearly half of what they brought in for a year. So he obviously offered me a permanent job and that's how, and then ended up working with him for a long time. So mm-hmm. that's sort of in a, in a nutshell how it mm-hmm. sort of was.
1: Did you ever envisage coaching before that uh,
0: time? I wasn't sure. I didn't, I thought coaching, you know, in the schools and that. The first time I did it. When did you start doing your badges then? Uh, I started my badges basically at, at Bournemouth. I did my level two badge with Sean O'Driscoll, who was a youth team manager. Right. And the nice thing was, the youth team would train, we'd be on another pitch. And he said, listen, we've got a, a level two. Would you be interested in Any of the any of the first team? I thought, oh, I fancy that. And he delivered it as well. So we, we got it. It was done properly with all the apprentices. So I got it then and I got my UEFA B. Did, 11, you, did three. you do that thinking about after finishing when you were 35? Uh, no, this, this, was, oh, is this was when my back was right. Mm. Um, I, th- I actually did, did the first bit when I was still playing at 26, I think. Right. So I was still playing and mm. I, I just jumped on it and did it with the apprentices. And then I, it was a long longer gap when I went to Bolton. Part of your job with the academy, you had to have, it was then your yeah, way for it's yeah. your level three, you had to have that to work for them. It was recommended. And if I wanted to move my way up, I definitely needed it. So as part of your job, you didn't have to pay for it. The community paid for it. Um, Which is brilliant. So I did it with. I don't even know Jeff Lomax. You might. I used to be sir. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I love working with Jeff. He was the boss at Bolton. Still does PFA stuff. Great. And he was really good with me when I was at the club, two and a half years. And when I left, he went. Listen, I don't want you to go. He said. And he was dead serious. He he was gutted. He went. Is there any way you can commute and go home at the weekends and carry on working for us? So I must have done something right with him. But yeah, um, I enjoyed it there. But yeah, and then I've not didn't do my A because I don't know what it is. It's like. When it's time consuming, you think, where do you further wanna go? Yeah. In my job I've got the moment, level three, and then keep refreshing things mm-hmm. and all the other courses is fine. You can go for it, do I, do I, do I need to go that next one up? Or, you know, I yeah. don't know, I'm happy where I am at the moment. Yeah.
1: Do you have any regrets? Although a lot of them maybe aren't through your own doing injuries. You, there's nothing you can do about that. You can't really regret it, but do you have any?
0: Probably getting fined on every every Man United trip away. <laughs> like every trip away, I got I, I got fined with so what? I, for just uh, misdemeanors. That's all By I can what? put it as. Um, oh, can I? Am I allowed to give these stuff? Of course, to you, yeah, can. you can always edit
1: them out if they're not. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, there's one where we playing uh, part of Roy Keane's deal was we went and played in Ireland. A lot of games of part of the deal, so we went around Ireland and played. And we in the hotel, the boss went out with a directors and Archie and that. And he said, everybody's got to be in the rooms by half 11. So we all get back in the bar and there's some senior players and I'm, I'm there and I thought, oh, I don't want to go to bed yet. So it's only half 11, the boss is probably gone. He's come back early. We'd heard he come back early. So I thought, oh, say what, let's, let's carry on. And the barman went, ah, well, that's it, we're done. So he said, I'll see you later. Guy I I'm oh, not having this. So gone behind the bar, I says, come on then. I said, what do we want? So I, said, I started pouring everybody's drink, and passing them along. I'm pouring and drinking. I think Derek Brazil was with me at the time, the Dublin lad. And it's like, it's getting I'm looking, it's like half twelve, so I'll be all right. We'll do another half an hour because we're be fine. Yeah. Game tomorrow. And um have another one. Okay, so I'm just behind. I'm just we've had about three, we'd have been out by then. I'm halfway pouring it, and the boss walks in with the directors <laughs> and archie. I think I think they dropped through my hand the glass, <laughs> and he's gone, son, I'm like, yeah. I'm all right. Hi, gaffer. I said, I know, Hi. he went, I, I said, he went, and he went, I'll see you tomorrow. So, <laughs> so we all went up in the lift and the next day he hammered me. I think Lee Martin and Lee Sharp, he hammered us. And he went, listen, he said, uh, about last night, he went, he said, we're on a bonus or something for a game, a game that we were supposed to be paid for. I can't remember what it was. And he went, listen, I need a top performance, anything less than this. He said, and your bonus is gone never see me run around as much the <laughs> next day. Cause we, it was a pre-season game and it was full. I think it was Shamrock Rovers or something. 10,000 uh, with the worst angle ever. And, but that was one of them, but there was many. He said, ah, oh, I did the, the thing for MUTV when the floodlights fade. First thing he says on that was years ago, he went, ah, oh, he was a character. <laughs> as if to say he was always trouble. So well, yeah. Were you a bit of a troublemaker? You don't? Stop? Not, not, not in a horrible way. I mean, I, I, I used life. to be on the, on the away trips on the coach. I used to get the blame when it wasn't me. So the boss would, he'd work his way up and the toilet wasn't near the back. So I'd sit, make sure I'm not the seat next to it, opposite on the left or further back. And I'd see the boss come to the toilet. And as he'd gone in, I'd get the spur key and put the key in so he couldn't get out. And then I'd go and sit back down pretending I was asleep. And he could even go to the toilet, then he'd just push it once, then again, hey you look, and then he's banging on it. And then I'd just get the key, slightly loosen it and go back there. And as soon as he got on, I went, and I like, oh no! He went, it's always you. So, and it probably was always me, but but in a nice way. I wasn't in a troll making a horrible way, yeah, yeah, but yeah. just like pranks. But uh, they obviously backfired. But but the biggest one is the. Uh, can I tell one more? Is I've got yeah, all of right to, the, the biggest one with it is the snowball one. What everybody remembered at the club. Um, the first team were training at the cliff, and it was about three or four inches deep in snow, and. Then, I don't even remember it Maisie there was one door that you could go in and out it, at the it side might, door. yeah there was one at the front of the cliff it was it was the same color sorry same color as the door and you could only come in one in one out at the cliff on the Astro and so all the reserve lads we'd all come out and the first team was still in and I had an idea so let's hide behind the cars I said first person out we'll pepper them with snowballs and there was like ten of us so first one come out all in the thing and they were all gone back in. And then all of a sudden the players come out, we let them come out and the gaffer's like, right, stop that, stop it. I said, no, just carry on a little bit longer. And we peppered it. So boss has Pepper come out, uh, all of oh, them, but, of but the ant made the way out. I actually saw the funny side of it straight away. The gaffer's by now was getting a bit irritated cause he wants to come in and have, his, have some lunch. Uh, so I said like, let's stop now. Right, writes it, next one, week's fine. So everyone's like, "Drop the snowball. I'm still behind the car. Boss comes along and he's about 10 yards, away, 20 yards away. Throw him one and the shoulder's gone. He's got his bobble hat on. I thought, I'll hit his hat off. So I'm sat, I said, I'm going to knock his hat That'd off. That'd be funny. That's a good aim, I, huh, I know. by the way. I'll just take it. Off. I, I said, Get his hat, it'll be brilliant. And it's dropped low and it's gone and hit him in the throat. <laughs> and he's, he's caught his breath for so about five seconds. You can see him going, and I've gone. Oh no! Oh no! So I've ducked back down. five I, seconds I've, of your I've, life. I've ducked down in a ball, going. Oh no! What am I going to do? What am I going to do? I'm still there, and he's got, and he snapped. The language has come out. His face is gone, and he's gone. He's oh, just head's gone. Who did it? And all the others went him. <laughs> <laughs> I stood true. up. I stood up like that, and I went. Yeah, he went. I see you after, he, and he was swearing at me. Get his eye, F-ing and Jeffy. I said, okay then. He said, see me after training. and went to see him. He went, it's always you. He said. Got a little task for you, it was dead cool. He went, you're gonna, tr- you're gonna come in tomorrow night. So I kept, okay, I didn't know what he meant. There's a training session here and next week and the week after. I, I was eight, 19, 20. So I said, oh, okay, then I was gutted. It's, it's, it's half six till eight o'clock, turned up under 14s. I had to train with the under 14s <laughs> at the cliff. Yeah, for, <laughs> for three weeks. Ah, uh, 6 la my punishment. Didn't I thought, oh God, that's all right, it's not the worst. I thought he was going to bring me in to do some running on my own under 14s. There's me as a senior player kicking around <laughs> with him. He was still better than me, but it could but, have been
1: worse though. Yeah, it
0: could have been a lot worse. But yeah, so that one people asked me about, but is he's, he's got on his true story? It was just but hitting him there, it was like only only happened. Only could you really didn't
1: learn from these mistakes. No, the I, now
0: now I realize why I got released, <laughs> but never mind. No. <laughs>
1: Well, you might regret the fines, but the stories are good. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
0: The stories are more important, more, more interesting than my playing days, so. You've got the memories. Yeah, yeah, true.
2: Bardo, we um, we always ask our guests on the podcast, who would you recommend as somebody that should come on that you've played with, uh, who you think could tell good stories?
0: Uh, You've had Ben, though, loads, haven't you? I've had Ben, yeah. Ben, loads. Three people who I who wouldn't expect. Mick Duxbury. Dux, yeah. Yeah, or, or Peter Davenport. Dab. Yeah I like Dab And people like that You might not Come across but What about Snoz Yeah Lee, Lee Lee'll tell too many on me So make sure that he uh have it Have you got down. any stories on Snoz Not uh, Not on him no. no No Well I might have But I'll probably keep it to myself Well if you want to it's say It's a it, family but... show It's a family show But no It's uh, great. it's coming on next though so. Yeah Yeah Anything you should ask him, you should ask him. Yeah Um he was there uh, in the lift. Can I, I've got another last little, oh, another little story up. here. We fit go in. on, um, Ben Thornley was asked, when was the first time he'd met me? Or what was his first impression? He said, we played a, a legends game through the masters football about 15 years ago in, in Asia. And um, he, he didn't hardly know me then. So apparently we've all gone out and we've gone out earlier and, he, and I've had, t- I'm not a drink. I can't go with a big boy having a drink. So I've, I've had too many and I'm, I'm going up to my lift I'm just really dis- disorientated, put, put them back in. And um, all, of, all of a sudden, I'm just pressing the buttons everywhere, don't know what I'm doing. Somewhere like 16th floor, Ben sees me along the corridor. Beard up, it's like two in the morning. Beard up. and I'm looking, and he's come over. And I can't remember this, but I, apparently this is dead true. And he said, what are you doing? I said, I'm sick of this room. Said, what are you on about room? He said. I said, I can't get in my room. And apparently I'm pressing the buttons Trying to get in the lift, thinking it's my room, and he said, "But what tops it off?" He said, "You were start <laughs> naked as well, and, and that makes it even more gross." And he said, "He said he, he said he just looked at me, and he said I just can't even help you." He said, "I just walked off." So yeah. <laughs>
2: but,
0: uh, What's that you, Lee? Oh no! No, sorry. <laughs> yeah. He, sorry. Yeah. Good question. He was with him. <laughs> no, no I, I think I think yeah, he was with him. There was two of them. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, that's a good question. Brilliant. Thanks. Thanks. Cheers. he's on later, isn't he? He's on in a bit. Oh God, yeah. I don't say too much.
1: Well, Russell, thank you so much. It's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the podcast. Brilliant.
0: Thank you. Cheers.
1: Some great stories there. Did you know all of those stories about Sir Alex and the snowball and no the finds?
2: No, I'm sure we'll be reading about them over the next couple of days in the Daily Rags. (laughs) <laughs> That's what generally happens, doesn't it? So yeah, no, great stories. As I said, he's um he's a great character.
1: He just doesn't seem to me to be a troublemaker, but clearly he was a little mischief maker, yeah, he is, wasn't isn't he? he? Yeah,
2: yeah, the little instigator. Probably
1: why you're friends with him, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> he's a good lad, Peter. Great lad.
1: Do you remember him as a player?
2: I remember him. Yeah, I remember because I was a good friends with Mark Robbins growing up, and um, I was quite jealous of Mark really growing up watching him at United and I was at Blackburn because I wanted to be here as well under the, you know, the huge stadium and mm-hmm. massive fans and great crowds and everything. So, so yeah, so I used to watch Mark and then obviously Beardo was part of that group growing up. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I do remember him actually coming to Blackburn for the for the months alone that he mentioned. And he was a great lad.
1: Mm-hmm. Great podcast, but such... So sad when somebody's career is cut so short like that. Twenty eight, as you said earlier, it's just you're really hitting your peak.
2: Yeah, exactly. You know, he's. I mean, he played two hundred games for Bournemouth, twenty five for, for United, twenty six for United, and you know, to for it just to be cut short, it's mm-hmm. it's a nightmare. I mean, players have cut short a lot earlier than that and not yeah. not have that many games. But um, no, you don't like hearing stories like no. that, but. It's great that he's still working at the club and, you know, he's part of the furniture here Mm -hmm. for the last eight years, so great stuff.
1: And giving back to the community too. Shall we do some emails, Maisie?
2: Yes, why not?
1: Okay. Sean Delivier.
2: Beautiful name. Not Sean.
1: (laughs) Probably not the way you pronounce it, but anyway. Oh, let's try that again. It's from Sean. Got okay. an email from Sean
0: Okay
1: He said To date I have listened to every podcast I've been supporting United for 50 years I enjoyed listening to my fellow countryman Quentin Fortune Although for the past 30 years I've been living in Canada It was fantastic listening to Phil Neville And what a great batsman he could have been for England My uncle Basil Basil Deliviera Sean paid...
2: Deliviera
1: Basil his oh, uncle,
2: ah, uh, Uncle Basil
1: <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Basil played for England in the late 60s and early 70s. Would love to hear Sir Alex on the podcast one day. So would we, Sean. So would we. Bill Gwiller. Bill Gillier. G- we need Sam here. Bill. He's from Larn. Ah, he's... Bill... Oh, he's from Larn. <laughs> Flipsick, sick Helen. <Hannah. laughs> Bill Gwiller. Gillier. He's called Bill and he's from Larn. Not sure if it's the right thing to do, but I would just like to compliment the media team on the podcasts. Love listening on the way to and from work. Bit behind times with this sort of thing, but just feel I am in the room with the casts. Cast? Oh, I like that. Do you, Maisie? Oh yes, We're the cast. I've got nice. our own box set. Really. He says I even find myself laughing sometimes. Love to hear more from older players as well. Gordon Hill was superb, but Patrice Sharpie and Gigsy all great listens. Again, great work. Thank you. Thank you very much indeed, Bill. From Shall Lauren. we do one more from Lauren? Yeah. Shall we do one more, May? Far away. James Green. I am emailing to say a huge thank you for putting together these wonderful podcasts. Last year, my father sadly lost a fight with a rare form of blood cancer and the last 12 months have been difficult to say the least. However, one of the comforts I have found has been the discovery and subsequent listening to of these podcasts. Both my dad and I were huge United fans and one of the last things we did together was to watch United versus West Ham last year in hospital together. My father's introduction of United to me as a little boy meant I have grown up, I'm now 37, with so many wonderful footballing memories, so listening to the tales of treble winners recount that season has been mesmerising to listen to. Also, I was a huge fan of Mr May, so listening to his infectious laugh every week is amazing. Having reminders like that famous night in Barcelona when I was 15 has brought back memories of the first time I saw my dad cry as we watch the game unfold so dramatically and thus despite the loss these memories fill me with sudden bursts of unheralded joy and happiness i have loved listening to all the podcasts but for me the standouts have been lou mccary I, like Helen, cried my eyes out as I gardened one Sunday afternoon and I was also truly saddened to hear of Sharpie's problems with Sir Alex. For such a man, often viewed as a a father figure, it saddened me that one of my favourite players and him just did not seem to click. I love this podcast and truly it has been... Such a source of fun, laughter, tears and many other emotions recently. Sam's zest for Player Insight is so refreshing to hear how genuinely excited he is. Whoever the guest and Helen's raw shaw- shows of emotion sorry, are enough to make any real fan feel the same. If I could name one or two players to get for future pods, I'd love to hear from it would be Michael Owen or Zlatan. Two players I wish we'd have had earlier in their careers. Keep up the good work and thank you again. That is from James Green and he lives in Leeds. Wow. What an email. So, so, Mm -hmm. so sorry, James, to hear of the loss of your dad. and When you've bonded together, something like football over all those years and that one person's not there to share it with you, it's very, very, very difficult. It is.
2: So glad we can help.
1: Yeah. So thank you so much for your email. It means a lot. And best wishes to you and your family. Maisie, that's it for another week. Another we've, week. we've made it through another episode without sam
2: yes yes will
1: we ever see him again who knows could be on zoom Um, remember if you want to get in touch you can email us at unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk that address is in the
2: (laughs) I'm so glad they are all in there
1: remember if you want to get in touch you can email us at unitedpodcast at manunited.co.uk that address is in the notes for this episode if you need it also a reminder that you can watch the box set of all of our episodes of the United Podcast on MUTV with new episodes airing every Friday and Maisie I'll see you again next week
2: Take care, mate. Stay safe.
1: Stay safe. Bye-bye.